Welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach and coach instructor. I'm also a master dance educator and self-proclaimed Zenial Pop Diva. Every week, I bring you a conversation to help you harness your inner authority by popping the patriarchy and crafting the life of your dreams. Are you ready to unleash your inner creator? Let's go. Hey, babes, what's up? I got that greeting from Gilly Shine on Instagram. You need to follow Gilly Shine. That's all I'm saying. You're welcome. (laughs) I hope you're all having a great week. I want to share. I got a DM from someone on IG that they are loving the podcast and that listening felt like we were chilling in a cute cafe with tall glasses of raspberry kombucha. And it just made my day. All except for the kombucha part, because I hate kombucha, but I do love anything raspberry, so she nailed that part. And I really, I really, I love it because I want this podcast to have that vibe. Like, we're just like chatting and enjoying this work together. So I hope some of you out there share in this listener's experience and you feel like we're sitting down having your favorite cocktail, because in your imagination... I can drink whatever you want. (laughs) And just geeking out over this work because it's amazing. And just to add to the realism a bit, like I want to share that I had so many things I wanted to talk to y'all about. And I kept jumping from topic to topic in my head as I thought about this week's episode. Um, I just had so much inspiration this week. And this is where having a niche or understanding the bigger picture is really handy because there might be topics I'm excited about that when I hold them up against my goals or I think about whether they're relevant to my audience, um, sometimes they're not actually in alignment with those things. And this is not to say that they're a bad idea. It's just one way to help me constrain when I'm equally excited about everything, right? I want to do all the things. In the end, I don't think it matters which one I pick because if I follow my inspiration and like what's lighting me up, I believe that it is in alignment. I just might not know why or how. And I don't need to know. I can trust the source of that inspiration. But if I'm having trouble choosing because I want to do everything, asking myself what is most in line with my ultimate goal or what do I think my people would benefit most from hearing right now are amazing questions to help me get out of like overwhelmed excitement at the prospect of saying all the things and just to like focus on saying just one of them. And another thing that I'm I'm just sharing all the things today. Again, you're just getting the realism. Um, another thing I'm excited about is that I'm going to an Abraham Hicks workshop this weekend and I've never seen them live. Um, I did used to go see Marianne Williamson all the time when she did live talks in New York. And that was such an amazing experience. Um, I haven't done anything like that since before the pandemic. And I can't wait to be in a room full of all that energy of everyone like tapping into their desire. Um, And I also can't wait to share my takeaways with you. So look for that coming up. And now finally, after this like four minute rant, um, onto this week's topic. It was actually inspired by a scene in Grey's Anatomy 
Um, if you do not know, I am a huge fan. It's also like my main comfort show. So <laughs> I'm basically always in a rewatch. My husband and I used to watch all of the seasons over the summer leading up to the new season, but that got to be like a bit hard when we were like up to 10, 12, 17 plus seasons. So I just now randomly start watching in the middle of a season and then I'll go all the way through. Sometimes I go back to the beginning like I just did with this last round. I started all the way back from episode one like a couple months ago. Anyway, not the point, but here we are with my tangential brain. And I also just had like seven other things pop into my head that I'm resisting telling you right now. <laughs> Today, we're talking about money. Constrain yourself, Chris. And I'm going to just put this out here that this is not the last time we're going to talk about money because we all we all have weird money shit, right? Even the billionaires, like if you if you're hoarding like hundreds of billions of dollars just because, like I'm thinking there might be some scarcity shit going on there. I don't know. Like, you know, like, why? Why do you why do you need that much money? Um, and also, this is a controversial opinion, but I really don't care that these men are doing this. Like, do I think that there is no way on earth that, like, Jeff Bezos could have amassed the fortune he has without exploiting other people to do it? No, I believe there's no way that he could have gotten that much money without, like, doing it on the backs of other people. But I want to say that I try not to spend too much of my brain energy arguing with that reality that he's done it because it's not my lane to change it. Like, for me... Him having what he has does not affect my ability to build wealth. And I also get to do it ethically, morally, and with inclusivity. Um, so one of the things I said in the very first episode of this podcast is that part of my mission is to get more money in the hands and bank accounts of queer creatives, right? If we are in better positions ourselves, we can help others more, Sometimes for me, like that's going to mean coaching someone to the point where they are way more successful than me. I want that for them. I'm like, hell yes, bitch. Like you get yours, right? And part of this episode is going to be about that. Like, like the ways in which we can support each other if we decide to let go of some of our money beliefs um, that have been taught to us. Because when we let those go, it gives us the opportunity to uplift other people. And as queer creatives and as, as and any marginalized people, like the reason that it is so important for us to look at these beliefs and to decide intentionally what kind of relationship we want to have with money is because like white supremacist capitalist patriarchy benefits too much from us holding on to those beliefs. So this episode of Grey's Anatomy I was watching that inspired the topic, we were seeing Meredith Grey, right, the main character, being offered a job as, like, chief of general surgery. Now, she did not apply for this job. She was offered it and was told that she added so much value to the chief that, like, she just, like, needed to be chief of general. Like, she added so much value to the chief of surgery or the head of the hospital, right, that she needed, like, she was the one. But when she got her contract, right, all of these other characters who also happen to be women who are like chiefs of their departments, they all saw it and they reacted negatively to her salary. But get this, none of them would tell her what they make. They were just like looking, like giving it side eye, like, mm. and I can hear a lot of you saying in your head that you agree that they should not 
have told her what they make. But this is because culturally, most of us have been taught to believe it's impolite to talk about money. But I want you to sit back for just a second and ask yourself, who benefits from that? Does Meredith, right? Do other women who find themselves in the same position? No. Like, they're not the ones who benefit from secrecy around salary, around money, around pricing. As a dance educator, I would always be upfront with my friends about what I charged. And they would get to decide for themselves then if they thought that they could charge what I was charging, if they wanted to charge less, or if they wanted to charge more. It doesn't, it doesn't impact me in any way, but it does protect the studio, right? Who would maybe want to be like, oh, don't tell anybody what you charge. I'm like, I don't do that shit, right? Like you, the, the studio owner, right? Or whoever manages that studio has to be the one to enforce like their policy around pay. But what this, what this does is when when we're taught that we need to be the ones to like keep it hush hush, we're actually doing their job for them, right? Like this is in any business situation, right? It's much easier for them than to potentially get someone at a cheaper rate. So this only supports them. And I'm just like, well, yeah, that's fine. Like if you want to do that, but then like you just have to say like, no, I won't pay you that. I'll pay you this and r- run the risk of not having that teacher, right? Like I shouldn't be the one that's like making sure your business does well because you don't want to have conversations about salary. So anyway, I have a little caveat about this in terms of like this episode with Meredith. I do believe that Meredith needed to learn how to place a dollar amount on the value that she adds and to advocate for that for sure. But her colleagues weren't holding back for that reason. They were keeping their salaries private because of like this etiquette, because of this rule that it's improper to discuss salary. Like nowhere in that episode did anyone say, you know what, I make more than that, but I think you need to consider what you think you're worth and then I'll tell you what I make, right? Um, And I think when we are willing to break away from the rules that were set up by a system meant to keep us down, right, then we all get to move forward together. Um, An interesting thing about this is I was talking, I was talking to a friend about this who sort of just picked, picked up on Grey's Anatomy again after taking a hiatus from it. And um, she was like, wow, it's like so woke now. Like they're just like, tackling every issue. And so when this episode came out, it was like um, 2016. And I do think that like the show has sort of taken a plunge into like being super woke in the best way, right? Even their talks about like race have gotten more overt in season 12. Like they were a little bit more talking around the issue um, and not really like talking about it like up front with like nail on the head. So that's a little aside about that. Anyway, this is just one example of the way that like we've been taught to speak about money. And this is reflected too in like that we're allowed to display that we have money by like what we wear, where we eat, the houses we buy, but it's actually taboo to talk about what we earn. Like this is like craziness. It's such bullshit. Um and again, who does that benefit? Right? We've got people walking around spending all their money to appear wealthy. 
And it's possible they're actually in a very precarious financial situation. This just like makes billionaires richer, but does not improve the consumer's life in any meaningful way. So like just adhering to these arbitrary rules that again were created by a system and to keep you from moving up within it is madness. We just need to let all that go. And then another like really important aspect of this that sort of dovetails off of that is that, you know, we've all accepted collectively that this idea that money is scarce. And I think it's really time that we interrogate that, that everyone interrogate that. And it is hard. It's one of those things that's like hard to let go of because like we've we've all ingested it and we believe it so much. And like all businesses under capitalism pretty much operate from this belief, which is really why they don't want you talking to each other because like their belief is that it's going to affect their bottom line if we all know what each other make. So there's that. And it's also kind of a way for them to exert power over us, but whatever, that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) Um, But I want to just put this out there that, right, there is plenty of money to be made in the world. And I just want you to like do a body check and just see how that resonates with you. Like, do you can you believe that? Can it feel true for you or does it not? And and if it doesn't, if it's hard for you to wrap your brain around it, like it might help um, to start by trying on the thought that like money is just an exchange of energy, right? And we exchange energy all the time. Our minds get all fucked when we start like thinking about money in exchange for our work. But like, if it's just energy, right? Like it takes energy to create the work. So getting money in exchange, right? In return for that, it just keeps the flow of energy going. If I produce all this work, but I get no money from it, I'm kind of cutting off that flow of energy. And I think for most creatives, one of the biggest contributors to like this mind fuckery, especially in the US, is that like we are taught that you cannot make a living doing what we love as artists, right? So that's where this like this cutoff of exchange for like for work or energy or our like our product, we're taught that like it's not valued or it's not going to be valued or it's not going to be valued enough for us to like thrive. So we're actually encouraged away from careers in the arts because like there's a quote unquote lack of stability. But like this is also a false premise, like in terms of just about the arts, because like nothing is stable, right? Least of all working for someone else. But we were taught that securing a well-paying job is what creates security. But I just want to let you know that security is actually created from your beliefs, right? Like, you believe that the job creates security, so that's why you feel secure. But I just want to point out that if we didn't learn it from the Great Recession in, like, the early aughts, right, hopefully we've started to kind of wiggle this loose right, since the impact of COVID, that working for someone else is no more stable than working for yourself. And I would actually offer that the people I know that are consistently showing up in their businesses have created more regularity and reliability of funds for themselves than they had prior to starting their own businesses. But all of this is to say that the first thing we need to do when we want to change our relationship with anything is to look at the thoughts that, that create the relationship we have now 
because our relationships are just the collection of thoughts we have about something or someone. So the first thing that you can do to understand why you have the amount of money that you do, why you have the amount of debt that you have, um, why you have the things that you have in your life that you've purchased with money, right, whatever, is to look at the thing that created that result for you. What do you believe about money? Do you believe that there is enough to go around? Or do you believe that having money takes away from someone else having money? Do you believe that you have to work hard for money? How is it that you believe you've come to have the amount of money you have? Do you think you needed to earn it? Do you think money is moral and that you need to deserve it? What are your thoughts about rich people? Are they all evil? Do you know any rich people who you don't think are evil? What do you think about poor people? Our society has definitely taught us that poor people did something to deserve being poor. Do you believe that? What do you think about having money versus spending money? What is the purpose of money in your life? What did your parents teach you about money? So if you answered these questions, you should have a list of thoughts that will give you an idea of what your relationship with money is. And if you're driving or exercising or like doing something else, (laughs) maybe go back and answer these questions at a later time and then just read your answers. What do you think about the thoughts you have about money? A lot of you are going to just think that these are circumstances, that they're true facts, right? That just like, you have to work hard for money, that's a fact. It's not a fact because there are plenty of people who do nothing, right? There are people who inherit money. Did they work for that money? No, they didn't, right? Um, So it's not just a fact, but maybe you believe it about yourself. Like it's for you, you have to work. Like other people don't have to work hard. So why is that? Why do you believe that maybe other people don't have to work hard, but you have to work hard, right? And I think a lot of you will be shocked, right, at at some of the things that came up for you. Um, And that's what the power of coaching is, right? It It can unlock unexamined beliefs that we didn't even know we had. So when you look at these thoughts, I want to see if you can sort of pair them with any actions you take around money. And I'm going to give you an example, right? So for instance, uh, if we go back to this working hard for money idea, can you see how believing that you need to work hard for money might be creating a situation where you're overworking at your job or in your business to prove that you deserve the money that you're getting, right? Because it's like, well, I need to work hard. Other people need to see me working hard. That's going to signal that I deserve the money. But like, in what ways might you be making it hard for yourself? Maybe you procrastinate. And then you create a situation where you're hustling last minute to meet deadlines. That's one way that you might be making your work harder for you. One of the things I see a lot uh, with new coaches, especially, um, is that they'll work harder than the client in a session because of thoughts like these, right? But if they trust in their ability to use the tools and the skills that they've acquired, then coaching is really the easiest job ever. But coaches make it so hard when they believe that work should be hard. They're trying to like 
think three steps ahead or plan what concept they want to teach, right? Instead of just staying connected to the client, listening and responding accordingly. That's definitely overworking within a session. And then when it comes to selling your work as a creative, like maybe you believe that other people determine the value of your work and you need to be like realistic about your pricing. Now that could have you lowballing yourself. It is your job to create your own belief in what your work is worth. And then believe it so hard that others cannot help but agree with you. But when you believe that it's up to others to decide, you will only ever focus on the people that won't buy at that price point. And this happens all the time, right? Someone will like be willing to pay what you want. Um, and instead of using that as evidence that you can do it again, most people, right, you're going to take it and you're going to tell yourself it's just a fluke. No one else is going to pay that, right? And so then you take the action to discount your work instead of going out there and selling it at that price, right? And that might require you getting better at sales 100%, but that's not other people not being willing to pay it. That's you not being willing to get better at sales. We have to be very clear about that. So once you see the ways in which you're creating the reality you have because you're choosing to believe these thoughts, that's when we start to question them. So questions look like, is it possible work can be easy? Are you willing to believe that you're the one that sets the value for your work? How attached are you to believing that it needs to be hard or that someone else determines worth? What do you get out of believing that? These are like this is the kind of inquiry we want to do with our own mind. So maybe you get a sense of security out of believing that work needs to be hard because, right, as long as you keep believing it needs to be hard and you show up and work hard, then you'll never be out of money. Solved. <laughs> right? But at what cost? Because, right, with the it, with the example of, like, people setting the the value or, or like, determine the worth of my work – one of the ways that that could benefit you, like it's a negative benefit, but it's it's about safety, is that you get to keep playing small and not risk rejection. You don't have to risk someone else being offended by your pricing. But I just want to ask, is holding on to these thoughts worth what they're costing you? Because that is costing you money. So I do kind of feel like this is just the beginning of a conversation about money that has multiple aspects that need their own time. But I think it's good enough to get you started on looking at some of the thoughts you have about money and maybe shifting them so you can take different actions toward actualizing some of your money goals. Remember, we do not need to, to dismantle the entire belief systems to make a change. Um, we make change by just kind of clearing out one unuseful thought at a time so that we can take the next right action. I would also love to hear from you on what has come up for you from listening to this. Um, so like hit me up, drop into my DMs. Um, you can DM me at on, on Instagram at the only Chris Hale, or um, you can email me at Chris at the only Chris and I would love to keep this conversation going and maybe have it even be like your response help inform where we take it next. Thanks, everyone. If you are loving the podcast, it's time to put a ring on it. It would mean the world to me if you would do one or all of these things. First off, 
Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or all the places podcasts are available if you want to be extra. While you're there, giving a five-star rating and leaving a review would be epic. And lastly, spreading the love by sharing your favorite episode would be beyond. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon.